Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome to Off the Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore, it's another episode. Today's episode. Oh, I'll sit down with Charlie Drinkwater of TV Priest and we have a delightful chat. Um, Charlie sent over all of his song picks uh, ahead of the podcast, as uh, our request guests do, just so I can prep a little bit, and and uh, if there's some of the songs I've never heard before, I'll go give them a listen. Um, Charlie sent his list over, and then just when we started pressing call, just changed them all and just made them up uh, as he went along, <laughs> which uh, it actually made for a really, really uh, interesting and fun chat, because everything he chose to, thankfully, I was aware of, uh, and thankfully, they were really great records. Um yeah, you're going to love this episode. Um, Charlie's such a, a, a friendly, nice guy. And um, yeah, you're in for a treat. Anyway, before we get on with that, a few thanks. You know the drill by now. I have to do me thank yous. Biggest thanks always go you lot, you, uh, you ruddy, bloody, lovely listeners. Um, big thank you to Mr. Scroobius Pip uh, and everybody at the Distraction Pieces Network. This podcast is very proud to be part of that. Go check out uh, all the pods on that network. You can hear, uh, obviously, the podfather himself, Scroobius Pip's uh, Distraction Pieces pod, uh, which is, you know, he's uh, he's the podfather. Go, go check it out because he has had everyone on that podcast. Um, speaking of people that are... Uh, Doing very, very well. Um, Mr. Brett Goldstein, uh, who some of you may know from Ted Lasso, um, he's got an amazing podcast called Films to be Buried with. Similar kind of thing to Off the Beaten Track, really. Kind of career-spanning chat, but they choose films instead of uh, of records. And, and Brett's wonderful, and he's had like absolute legends on that podcast. So go check out that pod. Um, and also, uh, lastly, I'd like to thank uh, 76, who produces this podcast. Um yeah, I mean, if this is your first time listening, hello. Um, you're very late to the party. We're over 400 episodes uh, in there. But it's all right. So it's, it's a warm welcome. We're a friendly bunch. Um, you, you've started at a good point. Um, today's chat with Charlie is a, is a wonderful one. Um, but when you get to the end uh, of today's matter, go and have a little explore in the back catalogue. Because, yeah. You can hear me chatting to, where to start, um, Sleaford Mods, Idols, um, Suede, um, big old rockers like Motley Crue and Foo Fighters, um, God, Fatboy Slim, Butch Vig, uh, James Acaster, Ed Gamble, Maxine Peake, Joe Hartley, Thomas Turgus, Michael Smiley, Oh, there's there's literally hundreds. Um, I don't know if these ones will be out by now. Paul Oakenfold, um, William Orbit. There's some ones I've recorded recently that have been wonderful chats. Um, Darren Emerson, you know, absolute, you know, DJ Royalty and 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 you know, that, we talk we on, on the Darren Emerson episode we talk about intros. The guy wrote fucking Born Slippy. You know, if, if if there's an intro for you. I've effed and Jeff before the episode's even started. Sorry about that. Um, anyway, you can go and explore that back catalogue for free. There's 400 episodes and they're all for free. Go and, go and get stuck in. What I do ask is, if you've got the time, give us a little follow on the socials or subscribe to the podcast because it just helps. It gets the, the old algorithms flowing a little bit and it means hopefully more people get to... Uh, 
have a listen to an episode or, or, or two. So, yeah, I know I, I, I bang on about this every single episode and have been for 400 now. But, yeah, if you can, if you can just press pause for a sec and then just go and give us a follow, that'd be lovely. Um, if you want even more content uh, and you want to support the podcast um, in, in another way, I have a Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, uh, and that Patreon um, will cost you a dollar a month, about 15p a week. Uh, and you get to watch all the episodes. Uh, I'll put all the videos on the Patreon so you can watch them uh, without ads, obviously. Um, you can get access to hundreds of radio shows where I play records and have a chat. Loads and loads and loads of playlists and mixtapes. Uh, but essentially, you know, you're you're giving me a dollar a month, um, which goes in the pot to pay for the production to ensure that your two a week episodes continue to be free and, you know, continue to afford to have them produced. There you go. That's the bottom line. Uh, so, yeah, if you want to find out about the social media, if you want to find out about how to subscribe, if you want to find out about uh, the Patreon, I've got a website. Off the beat and track podcast.com. Please enjoy today's episode of Off the Beat and Track Podcast with Charlie Drinkwater of TV Priest. Right, I've got to take a quick break in this podcast because I've got some super exciting news. Off the Beat and Track Podcast is proud to go into partnership with the Cacao Bar from Hotel Chocolat. That's right. The Cacao Bar is not a chocolate bar. It's all the best bits of a chocolate bar put into a really exciting new alcoholic range. That's right. Gin, vodka, and a beautiful range of cream liqueurs. So, one of the big bonuses of this partnership is obviously I'm super thrilled to have Hotel Chocolat working with us, but they sent me a great big box of this stuff. And I'm telling you, it's amazing. Go and check it out, www.hotelchocolat.com or over on the socials at Hotel Chocolat. But yeah, in the coming months, there's going to be opportunities for you to get involved with competitions with us to win bottles of stuff. There's loads of exciting things coming soon, and I can't be more happy to say that this podcast is in partnership with the Cacao Bar from Hotel Chocolat. All right, let's get back to the podcast. It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. Okay, we are recording. Charlie, how are you today? I'm very well, thank you. Not too bad. Good, good. I thank mean, that's a me massive on. lie. I mean, we've just had a chat before we've 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 done this fake hello, and uh, and you're, you're poorly, aren't you, mate? You you run down. Your missus has yeah, had enough yeah, of you yeah, and, yeah. and your little because you're both poorly, and you've got no excuse either. You've yeah. been out on tour having a blast, so you ain't even going to get any sympathy. Yeah. <laughs> You've exposed me within 30 seconds as being a terrible liar. That's it. You've done it. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Well, where, where, where's home? Where are you today? I'm, I'm in Hertfordshire, so just oh, nice. about like, you know, about an hour north of London. So, uh, yeah, I live in a, in a tiny village uh, surrounded by a bunch of fields and woods. I'm very lucky. It's very quiet. It's uh, it's basically just old people that live here. And, uh, yeah, it's lovely. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> I cannot complain. <clears throat> in, in regards to living somewhere, you know, relatively peaceful and remote, how did that affect the the, the, the sort of 18 months of, of, of lockdown for you? You know, did would you sort of hold that as a positive, having that kind of greenery around you and, and 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 also talk me through how you dealt with that time creatively as well well yeah i mean I, the reason we're here is 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 because of that really so previously we were living in a in a basically a suburb of london um small town um and you know it, it, it was it was fine but you know it was very um we were quite in, you know we we're lucky enough to have a place that was you know big enough for myself and, and my little boy but um I don't know I think like everyone I, I grew I grew up kind of with, with quite a lot of access to nature my grandparents lived in the countryside um there's a lot of very happy memories for me you know being being around nature and I think it, it was a big driver for us to kind of m move here really is that I think uh, it, it became increasingly clear over the kind of last 18 months that access to nature and space and 
animals and all of those kind of things um was 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 pretty um fundamental for 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 me coping especially in terms of my my mental health and we were lucky enough to be in a position where you know um we could say right let's let's try and find somewhere let's move somewhere um you know because i know a lot a lot of people aren't um so yeah so i think it really it that 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 kind of i think that like 18 months really i think i'm sure like a lot of people it kind of focused on my mind and and my family's mind what was important to us and i think we went through quite a lot of different stuff and and there were some really happy moments in that you know my little boy was only 18 months old when when the when the lockdown began and we spent a long time seeing him grow and grow up um but similarly you know we went through me and my wife went through some kind of personal um tragedies as well um that 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 were hard to deal with and i think you know being around nature for me was a big has been a big kind of solace and balm you know um when when things get a bit tough and my brain my brain ticks over at quite a fast speed um i'll just you know take myself off for a walk and i think that that for me has been really really positive having that level of solitude um creatively i think it really has helped as well um think we were writing this new record at you know kind of end of the last lockdown and it was quite an intense time and I was traveling into London to see the boys who were kind of we were recording there and you know there was a lot of things going on and I think having having a sanctuary to kind of come back to and kind of reassess and I think also as well it, it made me reassess my relationship with 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 the country you know and 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 with England and Great Britain you know and and I think that you know that comes through maybe a little bit in the creativity and the writing is that, you know, I'm, I'm at once in love with this place and, and it yeah. really defines me. But at the same time, I'm equally kind of, I wouldn't say, uh, you know, I'm, I wouldn't say disgusted. Maybe that's a, that's the wrong word, but there's a, there's a, oh, revulsion I think, I think, I think disgusted. You know? All right. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, and, 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 how, and how those things interplay with, with, sure. with how I feel about being someone from this place in this country and the things that are done in the name of this country and this, you know, landscape and land and, yeah. and all of that stuff. So yeah. Anyway, there you go. <laughs> I'll tell you what, let, let's, let's, let's park up politics. Cause that's a, that can end up getting bleak, certainly at the moment. So <laughs> let, let's talk about the joyous, uh, the, the joyous thing that yeah, is yeah. music. So I'm going to ask you to kick off your playlist, mate. Um, with the song that you regard as having the greatest ever intro, please, Charlie. Greatest ever intro. Wow, that is a uh, that. I'm going to say I've picked uh, Iggy and the Stooges' "Search and Destroy." That's that's my that's okay. my. I would, I'm going to mix it up a little bit here. Okay. Yeah, greatest ever intro. I think that for me, it's just you know that those first kind of like. I think it's like three chords or whatever, like down, 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 down. It's like it just like instantly you're in. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You're like, and and when it when it when he's got that opening line, like what is it? I'm a sleep. Uh, is it? I'm a sleepwalking cheater with a heart full yep. of napalm, and it's just like bang in. Love it. I'm buying what you're selling. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and I think for me, you know, that I mean, we'll talk a little bit more about like my kind of. I suppose my 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 gateways into into these little little musical moments and stuff but for me as a as a as a kind of punk song and as a kind of expression of like I don't know it's not necessarily rage but there's this kind of like pent up kind of energy to it I just I just love it when it just comes in it's just yeah. it's just so powerful it's raw as fuck as well isn't it I mean, yeah, and it's like the album's called Raw Power. Yeah, you know yeah, of I mean? course, yeah, it's yeah. Like, you know, like it just—I mean—it says what it does on the tin, and it's just—it's so charismatic and so like vital and vibrant. Yeah. And in a way, I don't—and I don't mean this in a condescending way at all. There's like a kind of like there's a like a simplicity to it that's so like powerful. Hundred um, percent. Even though it's like, even though it is, you know, it's—it's it's not a simple song. It's not, you know, it's—it's it's energetic. It's powerful. There's so much going on there, but. Like it just, it just whacks you. And I think, you know, when I was younger, especially, you know, you, you hear stuff like that for the first time and you're just, I was just so engaged by like, I don't think I'd even seen Iggy Pop by that point. But I was yeah. like, who is this guy? Do you know what I mean? And then yeah. you see the pictures of him and his performance and you're just like, whoa, this is like, yeah, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. In, in regards to intros, Charlie, when, when it comes to writing, um, yeah. Talk me through your sort of a, 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 a approach to it. Um, 
and and essentially the intro. And do you ever give consideration or time to think about the benefits of maybe being on a a Spotify playlist? You know, you know <laughs> does any of that ever filter through to the, the creative process of that? Right, well, yeah. uh, we you know we got to. We got, to, you know, there can't be any fat on this. It's got to, you know, hook them straight away, you know, to, because I know in in more, I guess, mainstream pop music that that's very yeah. much a consideration and almost a science with some of these songwriting teams that you get in Sweden or wherever. But um, yeah. I just wonder how you approach it. I mean, we probably should give more considerations. You know, you know, to be up there, you know, yeah. with the algorithm, whatever, but. Yeah, it's a hard one. I think I think it's it's down to also the intention of the song, you know, and 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 how you're making a song and what it's about. And I think I think for me, I, I'm a I'm maybe a bit strange in the sense that like I have to I have to have an intention to the song before we kind of before we write it. You know, I have to believe or, or know the story of it or what I want to try and communicate. I think that's how I view making music and art in particular. Sure. It's it's me trying to communicate stuff I can't necessarily talk about. So. Yeah, I think there is also kind of a, you know, sometimes there is a consideration as to being like, you know, we want to make a song that's more aggressive, more energetic, more angry. And I think, you know, for an intro in, in that respect, going down into that kind of like pure songwriting vibe, I think, yeah, you know, sometimes there is a consideration where it's like, yeah, you know, we want to just go straight in, like, let's just not not fuck around, let's just go for it. Yeah. Um, but I think it's, it's you know, I think, I think you're probably getting into problems when you're i mean for me at least and, and for, for us as a group of musicians i wish that we could kind of be a bit more scientific sometimes but i think we get into problems where we try and write stuff that i think we think people are going to want to hear you know i think i think for us like we're quite sincere people and we're quite honest with each other just as a band and i think that maybe rubs off in our music and and how we hopefully present ourselves so i think if we were thinking too hard about like yeah this has got to be this kind of way yeah i think you know i mean we've got 100 demos in the bank that have been like us trying to do that and there's a reason why they're still in the bank and yeah, not, yeah. not on a record you know um it's because somehow we've never quite translated it from an intention of like yeah we should write this thing that like people all love from the minute it starts and then you get down the line maybe two months and you're like nah <laughs> it doesn't mean anything it's just nonsense and I think that that for us is maybe, but yeah, maybe we should pay a bit. Maybe we should get a bit more scientific. Have a look at some of those those formulas, you know. Uh, it might be easier. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to take you back now for track two. Uh, I'm going to ask you, please, to tell me the first song uh, that you remember hearing, Charlie, that had an emotional impact on you, please. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. This is gonna be a weird one, but I'm gonna talk about uh, it's King Crimson, 21st okay. Century Schizoid Man. So this. This for me is like, and this for I think the rest of the lads is a bit of a like, it's a bit of a, again, talking about gateways. I think before this, I was listening to, you know, I grew up at the time of kind of like, you know, I was like, I was in that weird time of like post-Brit pop, kind of, it was like that all-American kind of new metal kind of vibe, you know, leading it's, into emo. It's a weird time that, because <laughs> post-Brit pop, like, everything kind of felt like American Pie come out and then everybody just looked to the States for this, this you yeah. know, for, 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 you know, Blink and Sum 41 and, and then Alien Ant Farm and all of that and then into like, you know, yeah. the, 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 the sort of new metal stuff and that. But in the UK, it kind of just got very serious. Like, all of a sudden, all the big bands were like, Turing Breaks, like Travis, right. yeah, 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 yeah. Star yeah, yeah, Sailor. Yeah, yeah. It was all very acoustic, like... And, yeah, and it yeah. all sort of got quite, I think, from the kind of jovial fun of what people, you know, call Britpop or whatever, it all just got very singer-songwriter. You know, I guess Radiohead yeah. really come into their own around that point as well. And I, it yeah, just felt yeah. like it's quite a, a strange time uh, for, for British music that. I guess, you know, on the sort of more mainstream sort of side of it, it got very acoustic-y and, and serious. Yeah. And I think, I think that was what led me to kind of, you know, I think, and certainly like people of my generation growing up at that time, I think a lot of our cultural touch points were American, you know, and it was very rooted in, 
skateboard culture and you know it, but it was weird because it was very you know it was like very it, you know it seemed kind of punky but actually looking back on it now it was like completely uninclusive space do you know what i mean it was like it was it was very odd and so i think you know you kind of dip your toe in there a little bit as a as a, as a young man and then i think a big one for me is like alex our guitarist his his parents in particular were really big prog rock heads like massive prog rock fans and like that's i mean you can't maybe you can't hear it too much on alex's playing but a lot of that i think has influenced how he plays and you know when he was when we were kids he was like a kind of virtuoso like bedroom guitarist he's going to kill me for saying this but you know it's like you know he could play like an entire yes album by himself you know what i mean no so kid should be able to do that I know, I know, it's weird. It's really, <laughs> you know, we're like, listen to like, like you say, like, listen to Blink-182, and it's like, have you heard of the Foxtrot before by Genesis? And it's like, <laughs> but anyway, this is the reason why I think we all kind of bonded is, you know, we'd go around his house and we'd hang out as teenagers. And very slowly we'd start going through, you know, his parents were some of the only parents that, you know, had a big record collection and a record player. And we'd be going through this stuff and it would be, you know, I'm quite a visual person, it'd be like pulling out, record sleeves and looking at record sleeves and i remember we pulled out you know the front cover of in the court of the crimson king with that That'd screaming face you know and you're like what is that like i mean it's kind of horrible but kind it's of an amazing cover though isn't it? it i mean it's incredible it kind of really describes what that record is in mm. so many ways and so you put it on you know in the first song and you've got this weird like i suppose it's kind of like mellotron like boo, boo. and then suddenly that riff that ba da 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 Duh. and you're just like whoa like what is this and it's like it's like kind of proto heavy metal yeah. but it's really proggy it's got that jazz drumming from bill Bruford, like that absolute like and then it's got suddenly like you're suddenly getting into all these time signatures and you're like what and i remember as like a kind of teenager being like what is this like this is mad yeah and i think that took us down this kind of gateway of like yeah starting to starting to listen to kind of progressive rock which then takes you into being like, oh, you know, like I'll listen to, you know, Piper at the Gates of Dawn, you know, yeah. and then and then suddenly you're listening to Radiohead and then suddenly you're listening to all this different stuff. And then in a weird kind of way, it leads you all the way back around again and it takes you back to like punk in a way, you know, it takes you back to this like idea of like, what are the people that are then making the music after that? Like why are they reacting to this stuff? And so, yeah, so I think that for me was like a really big gateway drug on this kind of musical journey. I think for me, I love putting music in context and kind of historical context or social context yeah. or kind of critical context. So, you know, it takes you on this suddenly, this journey. You're like, shit, you know, like, oh, this like influenced, you know, like early Black Sabbath or yeah. like there was something going on here. There was an exchange here that was happening or they played with the Stones in Hyde Park. Like, how the fuck did that happen? And like. Uh, yeah, and I think that for me, I love like, joining the dots like that. It's great. Oh, isn't it? it's so exciting! <laughs> it's, it's you'll never. I, I I never get bored of it, man. Like, yeah. I just love it. And maybe maybe it becomes a bit obsessive and a bit weird. Yeah. Like you know, of like, oh, what did this band do then? Yeah. <laughs> you know? But I think certainly as a young person, like discovering music for the first time and listening to records for the first time, I just it just it never gets boring. Mm. It's just it's so exciting to just be like, oh right, right. So the, these guys were in this band, and then. And then they're in this band and then this, you know, and it just, it opens your mind to so many mm. things. And yeah, it's, it's just, it's just brilliant, man. Like, so yeah, I think I will always love, there will always be a soft spot for like really wiggy progressive rock in my heart, in my heart and my, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. Love it. Like, I can't, I can't ever get away from it, even though you progress suddenly to rejecting that. I think yeah. as you get older, you're like, oh no, yeah, no, it was good, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but, but, uh, do you know what there is i mean there's a track that um that you've picked later on and we, we, we'll, we'll maybe hark back to prog because i think as anarchic and as punk as one of the other tracks you, you you've chosen for later on i can definitely hear the kind of weird time signatures and and, and stuff like that, yeah. that definitely pulled from prog and and the bands that some that them went on to form after well we'll get to it we'll get to it um, yeah Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but let, let's, let's stay in the sort of more formative years now, and I'm going to ask you, Charlie, for track three, to tell me the song that reminds you of your time at school, please, mate. Wow. Okay, so this is this is kind of... Yeah, I think I'm going to go for, I'm going to say, Talking Heads, Born Under Punches. Yeah. This is, again, that lead on from 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 Prog. And this is this is kind of a big, I think, a big moment for me in learning about, you know, about new wave and punk and and, and art in music as well, I think, yeah. you know, and, and, and being an artist in music. And, um, yeah, this is kind of around 16 that I, I found this record. And, and I think... I think it was actually weirdly we came to this record from uh, again another another friend who I think his parents had a copy of Stop Making Sense the live video on like yeah. VHS and I think we were like bumming around his house one day mucking around listening to music and I think again it was like his dad that was like watch this and we were like what the hell is this and again I think it <clears throat> for me it really resonated for me in terms of like I think I've always been drawn to people that are quite conceptual in in their art and and, and want to talk about ideas and seeing david burn up there in the giant suit and seeing it fuck i mean you know yeah and like seeing you know from the start madison square garden he comes on stage with the fucking boom box and it's like you're looking at this and it's so it's such an antithesis of i think what i was experiencing through i suppose what you would call mainstream culture there Mm -hmm. Do do you know what i mean like maybe it was because you know it was like Alien Ant Farm or some 41 who are great in their own way. Do you yep, know what I mean? Yep. But like, you know, but it's not, it's not necessarily talking about concepts or ideas. And I think for me, it was quite mind blowing to kind of have that world open up and be like, this guy's like a, like a conceptual artist. And still is. Yeah. And just keeps being in, you know, and, and it's all just about communication and mm. communicating ideas. Not only are the songs incredible, but it's about, the feeling behind it yeah. and the ideas. And, and I think that for me as a young person was quite, um, it's quite kind of profound. It was like, you know, God, you can, you can, you can be, you, you don't just have to be like a, a, a rock star, you know, and in inverted, you don't have to be the, you know, the guy in the last gang in town and your leather yeah. jacket kind of riding up being like, you know, fuck the system. You can be a kind of awkward guy yeah. who turns up on a, you know, turns up in a great big suit and, you know, talks about you know sh- shopping or yeah. nothing being on the telly or working in the government yeah. <laughs> you know it's 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 uh, yeah i think that f- i'll always kind of remember that and 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 kind of treasure that and i'm lucky that you know the music happens to be amazing as well it's yeah. something that i always kind of come back to and uh, and soundtracks my life you know like <clears throat> naive melody was you know one of my wife's and i's like first dances at a wedding oh, and lovely. all those moments do you know what i mean that like yeah, I just I just love it. So yeah, that's going to be uh, be up there for me. I, I grew up outside of London, um, uh, just, just a bit further around the M25 than than yourself, um, and there was I just remember there was always graffiti outside my school, and it was and it was just someone had like sprayed Pink Floyd, and someone had sprayed <laughs> Talking Heads. I remember thinking <laughs> Talking Heads. That sounds weird and like <laughs> and i went to the library in my, my local library and and i think the album was creatures i think and oh, i just and i just looked at the sleeve and then flipped it it's the one yeah on the back of it it's all four of them standing there in like yeah. mad outfits and it and i remember <laughs> yeah. thinking oh and i remember getting it from the library like renting it from the <laughs> library and taking it home 
and just putting it on and hearing like and she was and so I was like fuck this is amazing yeah. what is this and yeah yeah and and I think I was probably like maybe 12 13 and then like it was it, I, I've just got to get me, me, me David Byrne stuff out of my system now because you've started me. And it's like, <laughs> and he, he just blew my mind. And then I got the VHS to stop making sense. And, and I watched oh. that and I was like, what, this is, I don't know what's going on, but I'm drawn yeah, to it. Yeah, yeah. And like, yeah. it's awkward. It's weird. It's, it, it's just strange. And like, and I think as a kid, like, you know, I, I think young people are always drawn to, I think something a little left field and odd and whether it be like horror films, you you know, you, you're trying to yeah, explore yeah. things, aren't you? You're trying to find out like what makes things tick. And I think, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I saw that stop making sense and it blew my mind. And I was like, what yeah. is this? And, and then thankfully I managed to, which I'm sure we're going to sort of get onto you. you. You start to find your click and you surround yourself with other like-minded people that kind of like that. You know, and, yeah, yeah. and it's like, Gee, have you heard that? And it's like, oh yeah, I've heard, I've heard like Road to Nowhere. I'm like, oh, they've got other ones, man. Like, yeah, bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it's man, it's it's so true. And that thing that you just said there, so like, you know, it's it, you know talking about it being strange and slightly uncanny, and it, you know, it maybe is that counterpoint to like the proggy stuff I was talking about earlier, you know, their, 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 their version of strange is like wearing a cape and doing King yeah. Arthur on ice. You know what I mean? And it's I mean, like that's strange. The way that, which, which is strange. <laughs> it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of almost like trying too hard. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's trying too hard to be a bit quirky. And the thing about David Byrne is it's just, you just believe it. You yeah. know, it's just, it's strange in a, such a singular way mm. and such a like, um, such a kind of profound kind of way about like the everyday. And it's like, when you're a kid as well, you're looking at that and you're like, He's, he's making a song up about like like buying food yeah. like what, what's that about like you know like uh, you can write about that you can talk about that yeah. or like you can i mean i just i think you're so right like that it's it's you're looking for something that kind of talks to you as a young person and, and when you find those moments even you know and even though you know that record was you know at that point for me like you know 15 20 years old or whatever it is you know it I think that's just the power of something like that, that like yeah. the ideas just translate through the ages and it's yeah. as relevant now as it was then, you know, Absolutely. It's, it's, it, yeah, it's just, yeah, man. I mean, I love that graffiti on the whole big talking. <laughs> so good. I mean, it's so, it's also kind of like, so it's so suburban in a way. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think that's the other thing about this stuff is like, you know, growing up in a suburb of a big city yeah. or whatever, like there's a kind of, there's a there's a safety to it which can be you know incredibly powerful for you know you as a person growing up as a, mm. as, a as a child you know and i mean safety in terms of like you know <clears throat> there's a kind of there's a there's a prevailing you know way of doing things you know and yeah. people don't necessarily transgress or they don't appear to transgress yeah and i think that that is you know when you find this stuff and it kind of it kind of blows the doors off that sometimes yeah. that it like you know start, starts to make you realize there's a wider world out there yeah I should also kind of sort of add, add add a little yin to the yang. As much as them bits of pivotal graffiti were, were, were very profound and changed my life, I think I was also thinking. You know, I, I lived. You know, I grew up in a very, very kind of pretty rough working class area, uh, and I remember sort of like thinking, "Oh, they've spelt that right as well." But then. <laughs> There was also the other big famous uh, piece of graffiti was around the back of the garages at my school, yeah. which said in big letters, Terry is a wonka. Uh, <laughs> 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 which probably oh, had a, an incredible effect on me as well. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh, they've spelt it with an O, not an A. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we had, that. we had an underpass down to our school as well that was like, you know, that one of those underpasses where they're like, we'll build an underpass to keep the children safe from this giant road. And it's like, you build an underpass to make children fear there for their life. There's yeah. terrifying people down there. On the, there's the big kids smoking down there. They're going to kill you. 100%. Yeah, you're going to get killed in that underpass that smells of piss. Like. Yeah, 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 yeah. Someone's got a moped down there. They're just running, you know. Yeah, yeah, don't worry about that. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll, we'll keep the kids safe from the road and, and, and invite the terrifying people down here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Separate crossing's fine, please. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, well let's let's move on to, to track four, uh, and I'm going to ask you, please, to tell me the first song you remember buying from a record shop, please. Yeah, yeah, 
So this is it's not necessarily the first song, the first single, and I will I will open I will be open about this was Jimmy Nail Crocodile Shoes. Nice. because uh, my dad used to watch Alvida's own pet because he yeah. was a builder. So you know it's like nice. <laughs> um but uh, the first pro- album proper that I bought and I'm very glad about that it's a, it's a good choice. It was Relationship of Commands by uh, At The Drive-In. Right. Do you know um, what? You, you've, you've chose, you, your songs have been too fucking cool so far, right? So before we get on <laughs> At The Drive-In, let's talk about Jimmy Nail for a bit. Your first record's <laughs> got to be a howler, mate. I'm not letting yeah, you that, have At The no, Drive-In. No, no, that is, that's my first single, Crocodile <laughs> Shoes, Jimmy Nail. I think I got that from Woolworths in my grand for about, uh, I think it's about £1.50 or something. Yeah. I absolutely love that tune. I, don't, I must have been about 12, and I was like, no, younger, must have been younger, like nine or something. Yeah. And I remember seeing him doing it on top of the box, and I was like, I think it was like the same week that Blur did, like, song two. And rather than going by, like, Blur, I was like, Jimmy Nell's the guy for me. <laughs> I, I want like, to buy that record like, by that bloke looks like a painter and decorator. Uh, that looks good. Yeah, probably like, yeah, it looks like, it looks like, it looks like dad's, dad's friend, you know, like <laughs> Terry or whatever. Like, yeah, if Terry can do it, so can I. But um, yeah, Crocodile Shoes, that was, that was a big one. And then I think the second single might have been uh, Will Smith, the Men in Black theme tune. Nice. Uh, I think that was, I think that was a banger. But I was like working my way up to albums, you know, I think as a kid, you don't want, you don't want albums. I didn't, you know, I was, I was like, you know, when you're like nine, ten, you yeah. just want the song play it over and over again on tape in the car until it till the tape all spools out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Let, let, let's talk at the driving then, because you, just that was the band that I was referencing when you were talking yeah, about, yeah, yeah. you know, bananas, time signatures, and and prog <laughs> influence. Maybe more so in Mars Volta, but 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 yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, how old would you have been when you got that? So I think I must have been about 12 or 13. And and the reason I got this was, um, and this is again a bit of a segue moment. It must have been a, uh, must have been one of the kind of first or second times I'd watched Jules Holland with my dad. You know, this my was dad, where I was going to go with it. I was going to say, yeah. did you see that? <laughs> yeah, this is, this is actually probably out of all of those things, one of those moments that is just so clear in my mind about seeing that, you know. So I think obviously big top of the pots fan growing up used to watch it every week, blah, blah, blah. And I think then my dad had said at some point, Oh, there's other thing called Jules Holland with this other kind of music, you know, do you want to stay up and watch it with me or something? And I remember sitting in the living room and my dad, he's not a smoker anymore, but he used to smoke Dunhill. Yeah. Packet of Dunhill on the go, uh, smoking fags. And I'd be sat, I think I remember sitting like on the floor by the sofa, uh, 12 or 13, um, watching it and I think it was like the same week that is it like Robbie Williams was on or something I've, yeah. I've gone back and watched it over and over again now because I just remember so clearly being like you know Jules Holland doing this you know out the drawing you know and um, and they came on and it was like what in the fuck is this yeah. like it was so mad all over the place I think at one point the you know the guitar's on the floor. He's standing on a chair. You know, they keep cutting to images of the audience. Robbie Williams looks like he's having an aneurysm. <laughs> he's like, what's going on? And I think my dad even said, like, it's shit or something like that. Yeah. And I just thought, it is, but it's great. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just this, like, what is happening? You know, it felt really dangerous, yeah. you know, and really weird <clears throat> and really out of control. And... I remember then, you know, the next day going into into town with my mate Ed, who is now the drummer in the band, and both of us like having like rung each other up on our landlines just before like we got mobile phones in the morning and being like, "Did you see that on the telly last night?" And being like, "Yeah, we fucking did." And yeah. like we went and both bought it, and listen. And I remember listening to it on the bus on the way back on my little CD Walkman and being like, and not even really knowing if I liked it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, like it was like so abrasive and so weird. Yeah. But being like, there's something here. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I mean, that Jules Holland performance is just, yeah. So um, clear in my mind. That and Jimmy Nail, Crocodile Shoes. uh, (laughs) I don't know if he'd done Jules, but uh, probably. (laughs) Yeah, probably. Someone else chose a Jimmy Nail track literally a couple of weeks ago. I I don't know, because... I don't know how much you know about Jimmy Nail's career. For some reason, I know a lot more than I should. Uh, (laughs) But... uh, he had a one-off hit, like in like maybe the sort of about eighty-seven, with a cover of right. Rose Royce "Love Don't Live Here Anymore." 
Like, was that because it was on Alvida's end? Must have been around the time of a right, Swedish right, pet. Right. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then he sort of like just music didn't become anything. And then I guess he done, I can't, it must have been Crocodile Shoes was a big show, wasn't it? But he ended up like, he was like a Hollywood movie star for a while. He was in Evita yeah. with Madonna. <laughs> and like, and then he released that, can you remember that yeah. Ain't No Dad single? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Went to number yeah, one. And like, and you've just got I this. I think Crocodile Shoes did as well. Just insane that this geezer that looks like he's had a couple of tear-ups in your local and uh, and they've put a decent suit on him, like he's going to an interview, and they've put him on top of the pops, and he's nailing it. It's like, Mate, it makes I, no I, sense. Again, wholesale, I was in, man. I was in, 12-year-old, 12-year-old me. I was like, this guy's great. <laughs> oh, mate, that must have been some craziness going on in your head, trying to make sense of at the driving <laughs> and Jimmy now at the same time, man. Yeah, there's probably there's probably a lot of reasons why I'm, why I'm like, I'm like this now, you know what I mean? <laughs> Oh, yeah. wonderful! Um, let's talk about um, clubbing and and for track five, I asked guests to talk uh, to tell us about some of the soundtrack their years clubbing. And and I should always stress that when I send this question, sometimes I think guests may think like, "Well, I didn't really have them days in you know neon coated clubs <laughs> like with my shirt off, raving to whatever." <laughs> this can be your local indie night. This can be your, you know a dirty kind yeah, of dive yeah, bar. Yeah. Anything that kind of was them formative years of like when you yeah. found your click and you go out and experience music lad. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's probably, probably two here that we can kind of talk about, okay. but I would say first one is probably, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's date with the night. Um, that really like soundtracks, my kind of like, I went to, I was lucky enough to, to, to go to art school. I was like the first person in my family to kind of go off and do like, I suppose what you call higher education. And I think, you know, my parents are really proud of me going and, 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 but I think, you know, it was this, I think when you're talking about finding your, your tribe of people or your gang of people or your mm-hmm. clique, I think, you know, for me, I, I first of all went to like a local art college and then I ended up in London at an art college called St. Martin's. And it was like, suddenly I was like, fuck like, like, Hey, I thought everyone was the coolest fucking person I've ever seen. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever. You know, it's like people like walking into college in like a bin bag and being like, yeah, this is my outfit for today. And you're like, what's happening? <laughs> and you're like, that's so cool. And then I, so I felt like a bit of a kind of like, I felt a bit, you know, bit provincial if you know what I mean. yeah <laughs> everyone felt very worldly and it was like very international there's like people from all over the place and i was like oh you know how's it going <laughs> but i think very soon you start to realize that like there was all these people that that had the same interests suddenly like you know from coming from a group of you know and and i should say you know the guys that i'm in the band with they they've been my friends since i was 13 14 you know it's the only band i've ever played in and they're like my brothers, but like, you know, there was a group of probably about six of us, two other guys as well, that, that, you know, with the people in our school and our college that were into the stuff that we're into. So you, you have a bit of an outsider mentality, you know, you have a bit of a kind of like, you know, we all had like long air and, and, and dressed in, you know, mad, mad stuff yeah. for, for our town. <clears throat> and then you kind of turn up at art school and you're like, whoa, there's all these people that are interested in the same stuff. And you, you mentioned something, they're like, yeah, I've seen that, or I've heard that, or I've done that. And you're like, what? Okay. <laughs> and I think that for me was like this thing that was just, yeah, suddenly 
you know, you just feel like you're, yeah, you you just feel like you, you you're where you're supposed to be, kind of thing, yeah. you know. And I think, yeah, 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 it's, uh, it was that time, you know, it was that kind of, for want of a better word, kind of like new ravey. And I suppose, yeah, 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 it's kind of pre predate that a little bit. But again, everyone was looking to America for a lot of that culture. You know, there's, there was a lot of that kind of like New Yorky kind of stuff going on. Again, but then a bit later on, there was loads of great stuff happening in in, in London and and in and well, I suppose in Leeds as well. And you know, Enemy was a big thing at that point where everyone would read the Enemy and be really, you know, it would be like a bit of a bible as to like this. You should you should look at this or check this out. So yeah, 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 yeah. As I think, again, I think taking that kind of element of the stuff that was going on with you know people like Talking Heads and just updating it and supercharging it, and you've got this like you know, Karen O is such an incredible front person and like that, that those guitar sounds come from like Nick Zinner and there's three of them and it's just like elemental and raw, but kind of sexy and kind of like, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just like everything that you wanted in a band when you're like 20, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a good intro, that song as well. Oh, so good. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That would probably be up there with with the Stooges, actually. And again, a lineage there, Mm. you know, that kind of like... Massively. That like element of vitality and like just an explosion of energy, I think. Yeah, I, I love that. So where was clubbing? Was 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 this happening? Were you going trash? Was trash happening then? Yeah, that was happening. So yeah, that was going on, which was amazing at the time as well, you know, with Aralkin and and you know, like all those people coming through. I mean, like I think you saw like L C D sound system do like a secret set there on like a Tuesday or something, do you know what I mean? And then yeah. you've got like Claxons and all of those people yeah. and shit disco and yeah. <laughs> I mean I'm literally running off the indie sleeves right now you know yeah but when <laughs> but you're 20 like, like that's the best time to experience oh, that kind of energy and madness right oh, was, I mean we were at the um, we were at the old campus of St Martin's which is in on Charing Cross Road and you know it backed on our library backed on to, to Soho and underneath our library was Frog uh, you know the club frog yeah. and and like you know you'd be sat there like doing the, something in the library near the sound check coming up from underneath you know and it was this, you know, it, it felt like you were in, it felt like you were in the center of stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? From, from, from someone that hadn't necessarily felt that before. Yeah. You're like, and there's all these people and everyone's kind of like really open to different things. And I think it was at that time in London as well, just before, you know, it, it was still that kind of time where you could like pop down to, you know, a pub in East London or South London and go, oh, have you got an upstairs you're not doing anything with? And they'd be like, yeah, give us 50 quid and you can put on an art show or yeah. weird gig. Or I'm sure that's still happening. You know, I'm just, I just happen to be an old fucker that, you know, doesn't yeah. do it anymore. But I think, you know, it was, I don't think you're getting like, anything for 50 quid in East London anymore. Well, this is it. You know what I mean? I think this is it. You're not getting, you're not getting like the top, top of a, upstairs of a pub. Cause you yeah. know, they might have a, you know, pop-up restaurant in there or something. Yeah. You know? And it still was that point where, there was these weird intersections of, mm. of uh, like I don't know, like again, everything's always better when you're when you're younger. Yeah, you know but I mean? it was I'm kind of. Say, I'm not going to say it otherwise. It sounds really reductive. It must sure have been more more affordable, and because obviously, you know, it's no secret. Um, I don't think we're, we're we're entering into granddad territory by saying the gentrification of these places has has, has obviously impacted it massively and and, the, and i guess a lot of the pe- things that suffer from that as a club promoter that promoted events in east london for for 20 years seeing yeah. that change like was 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 insane and you know all of a sudden the reasons why i went from essex to london to promote was because i wanted to be immersed in a really exciting art scene a gay scene and where where yeah. movement was happening and then yeah. basically the areas that I went to in Shoreditch, all of a sudden, those people couldn't afford to live there. So yeah, they yeah, were being yeah. pushed further and further outside. And and then, unfortunately, you know, I, I say unfortunately, I've got nothing but love for where I'm from. But the the, the people that I kind of that, that I didn't think were interested in anything particularly left field in my hometown, they now all go on mass to East London. You know, to hear Beyonce in a club and uh, and and to go on well, a Hindu, know, and it's like, and I'm, I and I'm, I'm not being, a, I'm trying not to be a snobby wanker, <coughs> but yeah, I, it, you know, it affected my job massively. That the fact that the, and, and the demographic of people, and I'm not saying that they're any better or worse, but the demographic of people that would come to these events wasn't necessarily the demographic of people that I set these nights up to be, you know, to, to be for. Yeah. 
I, I guess as well, though, you know, uh, to caveat that, I'm, pro- I'm, you know, my generation and us doing that was probably part of the reason why it's like that. Do you yeah, know what I mean, we 100%. were we were moving into those spaces, and and I suppose for want of a better word, gentrifying them. I think maybe the other thing that has changed slightly is, you know, I, and again, I know we maybe talked about leaving politics at the door, but you know, I came from a uh, a lower income family yeah. and when i went to university i got the full grant i didn't have to pay back yeah you know i had help with my housing i um you know i okay i'm still paying it's my student really debt. good point man it's a really good point but do you know what i mean like i i could afford to go to university because there was a safety net there for lower income people yeah to go to university and i'm not even you know we weren't i've never wanted for anything in my life do you yeah. know what i mean i've never lived in abject poverty and i can only I think that's the thing for me is that like going and having that experience was was kind of afforded to me because what it said was, you know, this is important for your growth as a person or like this is important. You know, me going to do an, an art degree was not seen as like, um, oh, you're, you're fucking wasting all that money. And, you know, like like, you know. And now I think that 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 probably comes into people's heads and, and it makes me really upset to think that there's people from income backgrounds that are the same as mine or, or lower than mine. That, that don't aren't afforded that opportunity and aren't afforded the opportunity to go and do all that stuff you're talking about, explore this stuff and, you know, and, and, and go and put on an art show for 50 quid or go and make a terrible record with your yeah. mates or go and go to a practice room that's in the center of town that doesn't cost a hundred quid for three hours, you know, or go, do you know what I mean? I think that for me is the thing that's the saddest thing about it is that it's like, it, it's not just about where you're going to study and the things that you're going to go and learn from a course. It's about all of that, like all of that unquantifiable stuff, all of that energy and those people that you meet and the opinions that you, you know, find and the conversations that you have and the nights you go to or the places you live. I think that's the saddest thing about it for me that I look at now and, and, you know, look at perhaps my student experience and the time that I was going and the, the music that was soundtracking it is that, you know, I, I you know i was i was i was permitted to do that i'm yeah. permitted to do that and not get myself into like 100 grand's worth of debt 100, you know 100 um but yeah oh I'm, <laughs> but yeah i'm the, I'm the problem why, <laughs> why why you can't put it's, your fault. Well, it's me <laughs> um was there another track did you say you had two for this one yeah so the other one for me and it's probably on the other side of the scale was it was probably the knife um and it would be a uh, silent shout for, for me that was a big the knife i think was a big introduction to me to electronic music yeah. you know um that that album silent shout i think it's like 2009 <laughs> kind of time was like this record that i just played over and over and over again partly because of the melody and the, the sounds and the atmosphere you know it's quite it's quite a down kind of record yeah. it feels like a bit of a it's a bit of a hangover to mm. the party that i've maybe just described but that for me was something that really got me into kind of listening to people like you know james holden and and a little bit of minimal tech and then like only iu who's the guy from the knife as well and kind of like yeah just got me into listening to you know and then that again is a gateway into early house and you know listening to the sounds that they're making and being like oh that drum is a certain type of drum you know it's an 808 and who's used that oh it's used loads on sampling or you know, in rap music and all that kind of stuff. So um, I would say that's another big, big thing for me. And I was lucky enough to see them when they came and played um, in London. They did two shows in London kind of just before they kind of, I suppose, quit. Um, and yeah, it was like a very, again, talking about like performance art and like concepts. I mean, the show that I saw, the last show that I saw, they start out all very, it was all very dour and how you expect a knife out uh, kind mm. of, hour of the knife's music to, to be presented and then suddenly <laughs> midway through the second chat they all kind of picked up these like giant instruments like and you realize they were like made out of balsa wood and they just kind of threw them over to the edge of the stage and then suddenly basically did this thing that was kind of like techno starlight express it was like bizarre it was like yeah and it was like and then you couldn't tell who the singer was because she'd like disguised herself so then, and then you realise that actually she was for half of it on the sound desk behind us, like singing into a microphone and she wasn't even on the stage. It was wild. People were leaving because they were like, this is not what I expected. <laughs> it was like, yeah, I mean, it was, the warm-up was an aerobics instructor. Uh, like, that was the that was the support act. 
And then the show didn't end. It just progressed into like a club night. Like didn't end. It just like carried on. And then suddenly you realise halfway through, I was just someone DJing. So am I, do I leave now? Do I stay? Like, oh man, it was, yeah, it was one of those ones. Amazing. It was great. It was really amazing, man. It was really strange. And there was a lot of like people there that I think had gone to go and see it as this like, very like i'm going to be presented with this music yeah. you know and it's like you know serious you know yeah. artistic music and they just said fuck that and that was something that was really powerful so i think for me like that's the yin and the yang to that yeah. kind of time in my life you know like i'd say the knife of that kind of like less maybe less hedonistic yeah uh that kind of certainly this that iteration of the knife you yeah. know kind of like quite quite kind of a bit dour sometimes yeah, yeah, but yeah. like you know, you know, like a bit of dour music. <laughs> well, I'm going to take you home for track six, and I'm going to ask you, please, yeah. uh, for a favourite song from an artist from your home county, please. Home county. Okay, well, let's swap this up a little bit. Um, What's home county? Are we are we going Hertfordshire now? No, we're going Surrey. That's we're I going Surrey. So right, okay. Kind of just between Woking and Guildford. Right. So let's go. Everyone's favourite Woking boys. I'm going to change it up from what I, what I sent you. I'm gonna say, let's say let's say the jam down at the tube station at midnight. Oh. <laughs> Do you know what the energy in that record, like it just screams oh, young yeah. angry lads, doesn't it? It's <laughs> fucking great. Oh. It's good, man. It's it's they are you know, and I think when you're looking around as a young person as well, you're looking around for you know bands that are like from where you're from. I mean, the two ones from, from, from Surrey, I suppose, are The Stranglers and, and The yeah. Jam, you know. And again, I love The Stranglers yeah. as well. But but The Jam, yeah, there's like that that record's so good. I mean, it just, his way of telling a story, his way of, um, I suppose, just like constructing a narrative that feels really believable as well. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I think I think that's the thing. And there's an energy to that song, but there's also like a, it's, it's a bit like it's nervous you yeah. know you can tell that like it's an experience that perhaps it's that urgency like. yeah, yeah 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 it's um you know and i think as a young person as well it's that thing of like viewing uh you know it's it, he you can see he's writing through a lens of like a supposedly older person but it's got all of that like fear of being yeah. away from home or being in a space that you're not necessarily comfortable with that nervous energy that aggression all of that stuff yeah, he's great, man, and and like, yeah, I think think when you're talking about bands that are from you know from where you grew up, Nick grew up in Woking and stuff, and you know, yeah, it's like it's like yeah, that's a pretty good one to have. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, I, I think like that the 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 social commentary in 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 the jam and the style council. I mean, I'm 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 kind of I'm, yeah. I don't sort of listen to to his solo material too much. It's not you know, really does yeah. a great deal for me. But um but being sort of I'm forty nine, so I kinda just caught the very end of the jam, but I caught the style yeah. cancel. And yeah. and I, I I just think them two bands, you know, the body of work that they've got, fucking incredible, yeah. man. Absolutely incredible. And uh and I get the fanaticism around Weller. You know, um, or are they called the, the ones that have all got his hair cut? They're called Wellens, aren't they? Like, which, <laughs> which... I mean, I, I get it too. I mean, I think the other thing that I find so incredibly impressive is, you know, I'm I feel like I'm only just like musically hitting my stride or artistically hitting my stride at, at at 34 years of age. And you look at that period where he's in the jam, that like what five years or something, and he's like 19, so 20. Young. And you're like, how have you done that? Yeah. Like, how have you got that like prescience to talk yeah. about this stuff? Or, or it's in your head. Like, yeah. I couldn't have done that at 19. I was like, I, you know, it, it's it's really really special. You know, it really is. And and I think that I think every band needs that one person that's got that little bit of extra drive and that is the is the leader in the band for want of a better description. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and I think I, I don't know if you ever heard it. I think. Was he on Adam Buxton's podcast? I can't think. It was an interview with Johnny Marr. And uh, and he was saying that I think when the, when when he was like literally churning out like on a daily basis, just yeah, incredible yeah. records. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And the and the Smiths were at. I think they were. 
he said we was playing in America and he said and we were selling out like bigger venues than Tears for Fears who were this global like rock yeah, band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, yeah, yeah. Well, we was a, still a bit of a secret, but we was selling like massive venues out. He was essentially obviously just had this bananas creative spell of just writing all of the you know, incredible music. But he was like, Yeah, and I, I was pretty much like managing the band. Yeah. And you think yeah, 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 and he's yeah. like was like nineteen twenty and you just think Imagine being able to do all of that and then having to try and manage. I'm mean, obviously, I'm sure Rough Trade and the label, you know, were, 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 were being involved to a degree, of course. But you know, he explained that you know he would be tour managing it pretty much oh, wow. and just putting it all together. And and it ain't just dealing with like normal people. You got to fucking do with Morrissey. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Imagine that as well. Absolutely. And it I mean, is. And I think that like the Weller and the Mar and the people, there's a reason that they're so revered because I just think that, you know, to harness that. And I, and I guess you look at, when you see them early videos of Alex Turner, you see them at, like yep, that yep. don't, um, uh, Betty Lagoon on the dance floor video. And you see me think he looks yep. about 12 and like, and you just yeah, think yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're writing that level of social commentary on that debut album, like you know. You think there's there's a few. I think that you know there's a reason that these people are are revered and are you know are credited because yeah, they're, they're, you know. I, I think, think you're really right. Yeah, you are. You're really really right, and you're really right in terms of like. And I think it could be across any genre, any you know, like you know, mentioned Beyonce earlier. You know, yeah. and that's someone that has lived their life in the spotlight uh, to varying degrees of like ups and yeah. downs, you know, you, again, then you talk about Alex Turner, who, like you say, is like, what, like 17, 18, the first, I, I just think, how do you, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't know how you'd handle it either. Yeah. That's the other thing. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I find it mind blowing that, you know, you, you want to get me on a podcast and chat, you know, and, and have a, have a conversation like this and to have that level of fame at such a young age and, and to have people kind of essentially tell you like you're a genius or that, I mean, how do you, you know, and all these people seem relatively like well-adjusted Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, or they, or, or relatively like, you know, they consistently make work that speaks to like a elemental yeah. human truth and they haven't just gone off the deep end, you know? And I don't know. I think, I think it's really something quite, quite, um, yeah, there is a, there is a level of kind of, uh, I suppose, talent and drive and all of those kind of things that make a, I don't know, whatever you call it, that that is quite hard to kind of process sometimes, you know? It must involve, like, who you're surrounded by, you know, who your friends are, who your yeah. family are. You know, I, you know, I think a lot of working-class people, you know, whatever your mates do, if they're a dick, you'll always go, yeah, mate, fucking hell, wind it in. <laughs> like, you look like a yeah, right yeah, fucking idiot right now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you can't get too big for your boots. Yeah. No one so, yeah, you still got to go home and help, like, you know. Help, like you know, do the do, do like do cut the grass for your dad or 100%. something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 100%. I mean, and I guess like well, like the jams manager was yeah. uh, tour manager was was his, well as dad, his wasn't, dad it? wasn't it? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. So you ain't going to get away with nothing there, are you? If your old man's like reining you in. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, yeah. You probably got to watch out though if you take your dad on tour. I think my, <laughs> I think my dad would probably like it too much. <laughs> Back on the Daniels. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Give it a week. <laughs> All right, last track, mate. I'm going to ask you to be uh, a tastemaker now, and uh, and I'm going to ask you to tell uh, the listeners about a song that you think they may not have heard. Okay. Uh, well, this is a band, again, I'll mix it up a little bit. This is a band that uh, toured with us last year. Uh, they're called English Teacher. Um, and this is a song called Mental Maths. Um, I love them, and I think they have got such an. Inc- I mean, they're, they're they're great band, but they've just got such an incredible front person in um, in Lily Fontaine who who leads them. Um, Lily Fontaine. Again, Lily Fontaine. What is her a name. fucking she's, cool name. <laughs> she's so she's great, and if you want to talk about social commentary, and you want to talk about, uh, I don't know, just just the kind of prescience in songwriting. Um, I think she's she's brilliant. She's really brilliant at, at, and it's it's. I think it's quite different to how you know a lot of other bands and, and maybe us included have talked about stuff recently. I think there's a real level of like um, it's rooted in the self, which I think is really really interesting. Her, her lyrics are so kind of 
based in it feels like when you're listening to them so kind of based in who, who she is um and yeah i think you know it's just i'm just every time they put a song out every time we, we've seen them play live or they just kind of get better you know and uh and i think that for me is really exciting seeing seeing someone you know they're they're gonna they're gonna far <laughs> they're gonna far surpass us soon you know <laughs> like already have do you know what i mean like in terms of their creative output and i think that for me is so exciting when you're a fan of a band to see someone just and not just her the rest of the band like every yeah. time you see them just 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 get better and better and better and um yeah so i'm i'm gonna recommend english teacher i think they're really 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 great um i i cannot say enough good things about them wonderful well we put together a spotify playlist to accompany the podcast so people can go and check out uh, all the tracks that we've spoken about today um so moving forwards uh for the remainder of 2022 what's happening we are we've just put a record out our second record which has been uh nerve-wracking but fun you know how it is when you put something in the world <laughs> throw something into the internet void but uh but no it's been really great the response has been really nice so we're going to be touring that we're off to america uh this time next month um there for a, for a month or so playing for the first time out there which is going to be really exciting um then we're back doing uh doing festivals and uh we've got a european tour kind of september october and then touring the uk october november um so we're, we're quite busy busy chaps and then uh, and then potentially you heard it here first going in and recording again towards the end of the year. I think we've probably got another record kind of uh, on the way, which I'm excited to buy. Um, yeah, so it's going to be really busy. And I've also got another baby being born in between. Wow, that, so. there's some year you've got coming up, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a bit. There's a bit going on. I've got a very forgiving, beautiful wife who uh, is okay with me basically just swanning off and going to play shows as a 34 year old dad <laughs> living the dream mate um she, yes yeah <laughs> if people want to keep up to speed um with all of the uh, aforementioned stuff that's coming up where's the best place to keep up to speed with what you're up to uh hit us up on social media with the tv priest um yeah and find us there you know if, if you don't if you don't find father ted you'll find us uh so uh, <laughs> <laughs> well if it's cool with you we'll we tag you in it when we put this out um 100 lovely charlie honestly mate i've had such a blast today it's been lovely honestly thank you so much it's, it's such a pleasure absolute pleasure mate oh ah great was charlie it was such a good nat of that uh, love the fact that he turned it on his head and just decided to just go absolutely rogue with his song choices and, uh, and move away from the playlist. Kept me on my toes. I liked it. He chose good songs, though, so it made it uh, a lovely natter. Um, yeah, what a top lad. Um, yeah, go check out the band. Get a chance to see him on tour. Go do that. Uh, go listen to the music. Go buy the album. You know, support exciting artists. And, uh, yeah and support this podcast and let me tell you how you do that you just go to social media and find off the beat and track and and click like or follow um or sling us a message going do us a favor try and get blah 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 on and i'll do my best because i always want some ideas as to who to chat to because uh like i say i'm over 400 episodes in now i'm running out of people like um so yeah give us an heads up on who you'd like to hear me chat to um i'm back next time in the meantime, uh, just be kind of uh, excellent to each other, and I love you. See you soon. Bye-bye. It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Keep me, Stu Whipping. Eat it, boy.